What is up, everybody? This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Serving up the latest Everton news and stateside views. Let's kick things off. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, on this fantastic Wednesday. So today, James and I want to talk about Gormahia and, you know, silverware that came with the victory yesterday. There we go. (laughs) It's been a long run, boys and girls. Um, We'd like to touch on Marcel Brands, the PSV, what was it, president or director? General manager. General manager. Close enough. um, Was talking about Marcel Brands this week to the media. And that was a really cool piece by the Liverpool Echo. And then last we want, lastly, we want to get into the Chelsea pre-match. So first up, uh, last night, the Blue Boys beat Gore Mahia at home 4-0 and won their first piece of silverware in a long time. How does it feel, James? It's, it's everything that I hoped and more. It's just the most glorious and incredible. No, I mean, look... <laughs> 17-time Kenyan champions doesn't exactly translate to being able to compete against the big boys in Europe or England, and that clearly showed... Who are you calling uh, big boy? I mean, relative to Kenya. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was cool to like... Because when this fixture kind of originally came out, it seemed like kind of a cash grab or, you know, just a, a purely promotional event. And then some of the, the pieces that came out about it over the course of the week, how, how massive an event this was for all the players on Gormahia, like the biggest achievement of their lives to come to England. The first African team to play on English soil, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Uh, I believe so. So it was a really cool event. Um, It's good to see the sponsorship with sport pays us or to, I don't know, pay out. I guess that's the market that we're looking to infiltrate with the sport pays a, um, sponsorship so hopefully we can make some inroads in africa and get some more african fans i guess that that benefits the more fans the better the more the merrier um and it was just a pretty comfortable performance all around i mean the what first surprised me was the strength of the side that we named i don't know what your thoughts were on that yeah i mean that shows that immediately shows you know how far we've come even in the last like six to twelve months in terms of squad death because you know that <laughs> i mean that could have been pretty close to a starting lineup you know last year easily and i think i think uh kieran dowell mentioned it to the media afterwards too like how strong the team was um it's good to get it's good to get all those players minutes you know lookman played the majority of the match dink tosin lewin kieran dowell obviously tom davies schneiderlin so it was it was good all around um Yuri Mina got uh, a start and played the entire match, which is important because, um, you know, without alluding to our Chelsea pre-match bit later, um, it's pretty much understood that he's going to start uh, this weekend. But to, you know, to track back to the piece you're talking about in terms of penetrating the African market and that sort of thing, um, you know, something that I'm kind of, well, very passionate about being an, an American fan is, you know, kind of the lack of Everton marketing in the last couple of years. We've had this discussion before offline. um, And my big issue was, you know, they had, you know, we had Tim Howard for like a decade. And I feel like they never capitalized on that opportunity. Um, 
I remember seeing stats a couple years ago and Arsenal was like the most followed Premier League team in the United States. I don't know how that looks now. Um, now, in the last 12 to 18 months, you know, we signed Jenk Tosin and we start pushing out Turkish media. So I think in terms of a, obviously, quality of players, right? We saw that in in the quote-unquote product, right? What was on the pitch last night? Mm-hmm. But then also in terms of, you know, just global brand awareness. And so that's really exciting too because, you know, if you're going to be spending this much money and investing this much money into the club, you need to make it You need to make it work. And so it's really exciting to, to do that. And then obviously, you know, signing a, a bunch of Barcelona boys doesn't hurt either, does it? Not at all. And I, I agree with you that, Everton's international marketing hasn't been the strongest since I've been following the club. You look at the top five, I would say Tottenham are sort of in a middle ground, but the Arsenal's, the Man United's, their global brands. And that comes with the Champions League success that they've had historically. Uh, People want to watch teams that win. That's just a fact. That's an eternal truth in getting people to watch sports. You know, I went to a small university where we had pretty poor sports teams and people wouldn't go because people don't want to go and watch their teams get destroyed. And the results, the the product on the pitch for Everton over the last four, three or four years has not been great since Roberto Martinez's first season. So it's been really hard. It's hard to compel people to like your team when you're middling around mid table, especially American fans who aren't necessarily as passionate about or, you know, someone who's a total newbie looking to get into soccer isn't going to look necessarily look at the a club like Everton and latch on. They're going to want to watch, I hate to say it, the cities and the Chelsea's and those types. I won't say the team that we're thinking of. Uh, Only you were thinking of them. <laughs> and that, that proves what you're really like. But it is good to- it is good to see the outreach that's beginning. And I think, like you said, the signings that we've made have increased our profile. Uh, we're getting put on the map. We've got these players on international duty that are well-known in their own countries. And so it's starting to begin, and it just speaks to the overall direction that the club is going in now, which is great. As for the, on the pitch, yeah, like you said, Nuri Mina, full 90. So good to see that, get his legs under, his, under himself. Uh, and really, it's... These types of game, this game actually ended up being pretty valuable because of our lack of, you know, Europe and now we're out of the Carabao Cup. So there really aren't these types of matches that come along very often where you can roll out your second squad and get them some minutes. So James McCarthy came back from injury as a late sub. Um, like you said, Morgan Schneiderling getting minutes, Tom Davies, Leighton Baines, who is on the team sheet and then a late scratch. I don't think there's been any really further details about that, but it doesn't seem to be injury related. But So, yeah, so I, I read earlier that it was a stomach issue. Okay. So that's a good thing. Yeah, so nothing nothing that's hopefully long-term. Um, Kieran Dowell, and everyone looked, despite it being a squad that likely hasn't really pl- played together and you wouldn't expect there to be much cohesion, Put them away comfortably, 4-0. Adam Lookman, I think, was probably the best player. Admittedly, I didn't watch the whole 90 minutes. I was at work, so I was like trying to watch when I could in between you know, discreet, discreet looks and whatnot. Uh, but Lookman looked the best player on the pitch. Uh, the players were afraid to close him down because of his pace and his tr- little tricks that he has. 
Um, and I think you made a strong case to get a look in on the, it for the team. Look, man, look in. Uh, I was about go. to get you that Barons. one. Look, man, getting a look in. It really just it <laughs> really rolls off the tongue really nicely. Uh, and then a couple youngsters, Nathan Broadhead, came on and scored a goal, and um, so just all around a positive. And like the silverware is a joke, obviously, but it's a trophy. Hey, you it don't say really that. Mean <laughs> you don't We're say deprived, that. dude. We're deprived. <laughs> We're deprived. It's not really anything that anyone's going to be celebrating too much over. And you could see, like, even when we scored, like, the players barely celebrated. Uh, Kieran Dowell's goal, he, like, totally stone-faced. And then I don't know who he made eye contact with, but there was just a little grin across his face. <laughs> so uh, Benny Bedingamy also, you know, came in for Leighton Baines. So he's been out of the out of the fray for quite some time. And it's, yeah, he was injured too. It's remarkable to see like the players that we still have coming back because we'll, we'll, we've been at virtually full strength for a while now. And then you've got these fringe first-team players continue to trickle in, and it just provides more options for Marco Silva and tactical flexibility again. Um, and so that's really good to have going forward because, again, we don't have these types of not throwaway games, but you know what I mean, like games where you can really just in- against a competent, if not overly talented uh team and so that's really good to see yeah i agree and i uh again i was also at work still partially shirking but that's not (laughs) the point the point is um i was able to catch you know probably about half the match broken up into pieces uh gore mahi is left back he was really good i didn't catch his name i didn't have audio um I know that I know uh, their forward is is pretty young and he's supposed to be quite good, but we had a, a, a ridiculous amount of possession. So at the end of the day, as you said, great to see these types of players on the pitch. And Adam Lookman could be getting a look in, but I think we'll get to that in a little bit. So, um, in yeah. terms of Marcel Brands, yeah, kind of a good segue because we're talking about the overarching, you know, strategy business wise of the club going forward. There's a really good piece from Phil Kirkbride of the Liverpool Echo. Shout out Phil. Uh, on Marcel Brands, he spoke with uh, Toon Gerbrands, who's the PSV general manager now. And it was really just more glowing praise from for Marcel Brands. And I've yet to see a single word uh, about Marcel Brands that doesn't fill me with complete confidence that he's the man to take the club forward as we go into this new project. Uh, he talks about his knowledge of players globally, his depth of knowledge of players as young as you know, 15, 16 in their respective countries. Uh, mentions the impact that he made with PSV in sort of transitioning them into that type of feeder club where, uh, and the shining example is Irving Lozano. But there are, there are countless others who've come through PSV, Memphis Depay, I believe. Uh, yep. And so others, obviously. And how they kind of transitioned into that type of that team in Europe where a player from outside of Europe can come in, develop for a couple of years, grow their their personal profile, and then make the move to the next, you know, the big European clubs. And I think our ambitions are should certainly be higher than a PSV as far as our stature in the game. But with what he has to work with now, I'm very excited to see what he can do going forward because again the the thing that struck out stuck out most to me was just his again his knowledge of players of all ages his recruiting and that he's a very shrewd negotiator which again we know uh 
through other, you know, people who have spoken about uh, their interactions with him. But yeah, like I said, just absolutely over the moon with the business that the club have done with getting him in as our director of football and think that he is probably, he is, I'm going to say definitely more important than Marco Silva uh, because he is that kind of, you know, higher up presence uh, who's going to oversee the entire club and not just the first team. That's true. And he dresses really nice too, but yeah, he's so slick, <laughs> very dapper, but he's magnificent. <laughs> right. But in all seriousness, yeah, I mean, that's the idea of the director of football, right? So no matter what's happening with your manager selection, um, your director of football can like help continue. And with that being said, Brandon on Twitter tweeted um, Everton shirt number upgrades. Oh, yes. This was, yeah, this was awesome to read. So number 12 was Aaron Lennon is now Lucas Digne. Number 13, Mangala is now Yeri Mina. Number 10 is Rooney to now Sigurdsson. Um, number five, Ashley Williams is now Kurt Zuma. Number eight was Barkley and is now Andre Gomez. So, you know, and just let that sink in because that's insane. Um, the, you know, the amount of change, but like the ins- the craziest part, you know, between two, two summers ago and this la- past summer is the fact that we actually feel well. We're getting, uh, we're actually getting proof now that you know we signed a bunch of really quality players. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's insane to see it written down on paper, you know, side by side, and trying to think like last season with you know the team sheet that we started the season with. I think against, uh, I think it was against Stoke, mm-hmm. playing Calvert Lewin at right wing back, uh, Sandro and Rooney up top, like. I, I was legitimately telling friends last last or two summers ago, excuse me, that I thought that we could challenge, you know, top five with that squad. And in hindsight, that's super ignorant. But like, you know, who would have thought that everyone would have just completely forgot how to play football at that point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's clear that money doesn't equal success because you've, we've seen it you know, early on in Man City when they were taken over. They spent loads of money. It didn't really translate. Um, so, and what Fulham have done this season, and and Wolves are a better example of how it can work, but there really has to be a plan and a strategy behind it, and that's what we were really lacking over under the reign of Steve Walsh. Clear that he was not cut out in any capacity to be a director of football at the level that he was at, and this transfer strategy and I don't know how much of it was due to their him and Ronald Koeman not agreeing and not being on the same page. But again, that just is an organizational flaw that created a lot of problems in our transfer transfer strategy. When the players were all coming in, we're spending all this money and it's like, Oh, we spent 30 million on, on Davy Klassen. Like he's a quality player. He's going to be great for us. And then you look at it compared to now. And like you said, those shirt upgrades who with the exception of, I think just Sigurdsson were all new signings. Correct. Uh, It's incredible how quickly it's manifested itself. Marcel Brands' tenure, like the, from Davy Klassen to Andre Gomez, like just the level of in (laughs) the quick, in the quickness in which the players have set in or, you know, come into the team and found success. And it's only the first transfer window. We're just one. We're in like the first, you know, to use a basketball or you know, American sports analysis. We're in the first, very first quarter of the game. 
of this long-term project. That is very true. There's a long way to go. I mean, and now with the way the team's looking, there were people at the end of the transfer window that said, oh, you know, we didn't get a striker. We need to get one in January. And that's still maybe the case. But as we continue to go forward, if the Richarlison thing works out up top, if Tosin can find form, Calvert-Lewin, there's not that necessary, you know, that pressing need for us to go get a striker. Like we could, because of the, the, tendency for January prices to be so inflated uh it may be best for us to sit and wait and you know we're not gonna knock on wood I mean it's it's possible but we're I'd say we're not gonna challenge for the top four so we're kind of just sitting in the we could get hopefully we can get Europe but I don't think we need to be like aggressive necessarily to the you know and that's again the Marcel Brands thing like he's a good negotiator he's not gonna overpay for players and so I'm confident that whatever business we do in January will be good business and best for the club. Uh, and it's it's really just night and day. And it, as it progresses, it becomes more and more clear how much better it is. And every Evertonian I'm, I know is full of optimism. And I think it's really just going to continue. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest, just to touch on the January transfer window piece. Um, I personally don't think it would be a smart idea to go for a striker in January. And that's a hot take if I've ever had one. Um, although I don't know, I, I've been on a hot streak today, James, haven't I? Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> but I'm saying this because I'm now watching the Gore Mahia game, Jane Tosin did not look confident. He didn't look at, good all. at all, at to all. be honest. Um, and so it's, in my opinion, well, it's pretty obvious, but it's completely a mental thing for him. We got to understand, right? He he really he he came to or he went to Besiktas as the third string striking option. Um and he worked his way up to becoming the starter. And you know, the, the fans love him there because they mentioned, you know, every single season he would essentially be able to identify a weak spot or two in his game. And he worked on it just tirelessly. And every season he came back just immensely better. And when when you get used to, A, your current environment, and B, the current system you play in, then, you know, it, it's kind of hard for players to adapt. You see that all the time, right? Like coming to, coming to England in general or um, a nice little jab here, players going to Manchester United, playing for Jose Mourinho. Um, nice, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So the issue is he and he's actually mentioned it um, that he has a tough time in Silva's system getting himself in scoring positions. I think it's just lack of, you know, understanding and be able to being able to, um, you know, work in the system correctly. But either way, point is Richarlison's working fine. We have Calvert Lewin who. He played half the season last season and he scored, you know, a good amount of goals. Right. So if, you know, if something happens and we need to make do with Nias and or a Calvert-Lewin and an out of form Jake Tosin, which I don't think Jake Tosin is going to be out of form for the entire season. That's okay. But the worst thing we could do is just go out and spend another 30 mil, 40 mil on a striker in January, you know, but Moving into, you know, segueing into um, Chelsea away. So we have Chelsea away on Sunday. 
to give you a bit of a backstory, Chelsea is second place and unbeaten in the league this season. Um, so, so I have I have a couple couple uh, lineup pieces for you. So Barkley has started in their last two matches in the league, um, which could be extremely interesting for us, couldn't it? Hazard, I'm I'm assuming. Um, Eden Hazard is going to start this week. Unfortunately, he didn't start uh, the last two weeks. He was like out injured, but he came in, I think, in the 60th, 70th minute mm-hmm. last week. Yep. So you're going to expect him to start. Um, and essentially, Chelsea, obviously, they're going to possess the ball. Um, they're going to possess the majority of the ball. And they've got plenty of pace. They've got a good midfield. They've got really... Uh, um, precise attacking players, and they're going to look to exploit the high line when possible. The Everton are going to play. It's a tough match. It's a ma- they're the best team we've played this so far this season. We weren't able to do it against Manchester United. We weren't able to do it against Arsenal. But the important takeaways from those two games is that we were in a position in which we could have done it, and our finishing wasn't up to par. And but we were creating chances. So I think we're going to create chances against them. It's a question of do we have that clinical finishing? Um, it will be interesting to see Ross Barkley play. I mean, the less said about him, the better. But um, do you think I he really, gets some booze if he plays uh, from the Everton? I mean, we'll see. I'd imagine. I think there's a sour taste in people's mouths about the way that he left and the whole transfer, the transfer fee dwindling. But at the same time, I think everyone, no one really hates him or wishes that he'll, you know, drop off the face of the earth. What is interesting is just the media bias towards him now that he's at a big six club. But so true. Don't want to dwell on that too, too much. Eden Hazard is the player, and William are the two players that I'm more concerned about. And Murata, who got on the score sheet uh, their last match, um, they've got quality all over the pitch. They're a better team on paper than us. That being said, I think the team will have a lot of confidence after the last two away performances against the top sides. And as long as that confidence continues to grow, and after their performance last week, I expect us to give it a go and I expect it to be a good game, which is really at this point in the project, again, first quarter, all we can ask for is for us to start looking like the type of team that might win these games. And eventually if we continue to show up against these big, big sides and look like we can win, then eventually we're going to win. Um, But again, the history is just so, uh, so it's just against us. Like we, I don't know when the last time we won at Stanford bridge was, we haven't beat Chelsea in ages, but the difference is that the in previous seasons going in, it was like, okay, I'll take a draw at best and I'll take even like a one nil or two nil loss and just hopefully we don't get battered. And I think that that mentality is completely changed now. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so in terms of lineup, right? I think we, let, yeah. let's go, let's go from back <laughs> to front. Yep. Uh, I'm going to assume, I'm not going to ask you, Jordan Pickford will start in goal. Um, <laughs> no. Stack, put stack in. Oh, he was in a World Cup final in 2010. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> so single. Okay, so do we agree on our fullbacks, Lucas and Seamus? Of course, yeah. That, okay, I think the yeah. And then, um, Keen and Mina. What do you think? It has to be Zuma can't you're, play against Chelsea because right. that's his parent club. Of course. And you're not going to stick Mason Holgate in when you've got your $25 million man waiting in the wings fresh off 90 minutes midweek. It just, he's going to come in 
it's a tough game to make your Premier League debut without question, but he played in the World Cup and he's used to playing at Barcelona. So he's used to the big stage. It's all going to come down to, I'm just worried about the pace of their front three against Yeri Mina, who being a threat in the air, but being six four, six five, whatever he is, <laughs> is not going to have the lateral quickness to, to stay with those types of players. So uh, I do think he'll be a very him and Keane on corners going the opposite direction are going to be a real threat for Chelsea. My uh, mouth is watering yeah, for sure. It's going to be awesome, but yeah, that I think the back four is you just Set swap out me, Zuma for Mina, and that's a lock. Okay, so in midfield, are we going to stick with our midfield trio, Sigurdsson, Gomez, and uh, Ghana? Yeah, I think you have to. All I, right, cool. I don't know who else you'd put in. So that they, was the they're test. gelling. Ghana had the probably his best game of the season everyone was raving about him after last and he's he's been outstanding all season long for the most part Gomez everything we've been looking for in a midfielder for some time and then Sigurdsson just on the offensive end in his work rate it's undeniable so yeah they're penciled in no problem okay so here it is um as it has been for pretty much the entire season because a lot of times midfield hasn't been a question neither is um our back four so in attack, who's your front three and why? So I think this is tough. I think you go with Bernard, Richarlison, and Walcott. I think you I think you keep it unchanged. Um, Bernard is still, I think, trying to find his feet in the English game. This will be a great opportunity for him to show what he's made of we know that he's capable of performing against bigger sides because he's scored against Man- Manchester City in the Champions League. Uh, hasn't been in great form the last few games. He did play pretty well last week, so I'd expect to see him keep his spot. And then Richarlison, of course. And then I just don't think Adam Lookman has quite done enough. I would actually like to see him start on the right, but I think Walcott gives you that. He's more of a short thing. You don't really know what you're going to get with Lookman. I do expect to see Lookman at some point, hopefully around 60 minutes, depending on how the game is going. But yeah, I'm, I'm predicting a completely unchanged lineup save uh, <clears throat> Mina in for Zuma. Okay, so <clears throat> I like your left and I like your, your forward. It's funny because I really like, I was really unconvinced about Richarlison up top, as was the rest of the world. Yeah. And then he goes and he does that and you're like, okay, all right, man, do your thing. Um, it's just like the, the feeling of wasted opportunity for him on the left. But then you've got Bernard and you're like, just do your thing, little fella, like pat him on the head and send him on his way to school uh, <laughs> with his backpack. Um, yeah. As far as the right-hand side is concerned. So here's my dilemma with Walcott, right? So, He's got good link-up play with Seamus Coleman, right? We we saw that last season. It was nice to see. Like It was almost immediate. They both have tons of experience in the league. Um, you know, they both obviously are pretty successful players in their own right. Obviously, maybe not trophy-laden. But, um, you know, the issue is he's been getting us into... He's been, he's been creating chances. Um, he's getting himself in fantastic positions. And the issue is just the fact that when he creates himself a chance or someone else creates him a chance, he just can't convert. And at some point, right? At some point, you've got to you've got to look at yourself and say, okay, 
where are we actually trying to go? Are we going to say, yes, we want to challenge for the top six, then we got to act like it. And my, you know, my theory in terms of acting like it means that when you don't perform for two, three matches and someone else is fit, looks good in training, has the right attitude, it's their choice, their chance. So I understand what you're saying. I'm just personally conflicted. I want to see Adam Lookman start on the right-hand side. Um, and you know, see what he's got. I mean, see if he can step up. Like, you know, you, you have the unpredictability, right? Which I am going to spin in a good way with, with young players because, you know, tell this, tell this kid um, on Saturday, hey, uh, you're going to start tomorrow, so be ready. And, you know, he walks into Stamford Bridge ready to start, you know, for I think the first time this season in the league. Yeah. You You can kind of understand that it could also be a big moment for him, you know? So, and, and you still have Calvert-Lewin, you still got, you still got Walcott coming off the bench with his, which is plenty of pace. Um, Realistically, I don't know that Lookman's going to start, but that's what I want. And so I'm going to, uh, you know, shout for it all day long. Yeah. And I think that's fair. Again, I wouldn't be disappointed to see either of them start. I do think, again, like Walcott really hasn't found his rhythm yet, and the whole right side hasn't quite found his rhythm, including Seamus Coleman. We saw, I think, hopefully the uptick at the end of the, the the flatness that's been on the right side. Like, hopefully they can continue to build off that last performance and continue to improve and develop more chemistry because they're both good players. It's just for whatever reason, Walcott's finishing hasn't been there um, and Seamus hasn't been up to par, but... Overall, again, either whoever starts, the rest of the lineup picks itself, and I'm really looking forward to the match on Sunday, which is again something that we haven't I haven't really felt going up to one of the top teams in a long time. So I guess we'll wrap things up now with uh, score predictions. Alex, I'll let you go first. Oh man, yeah, I always make you, you go first and then like berate you, but yeah, I, stole, <laughs> I stole that right out from under you. Yeah, dude, I was waiting in the wing for sure. Um, Okay, so score predictions. I'm going to go a 1-1 draw. And I'm going to say that it is Richarlison scoring for Everton. And I'm going to call Willian for Chelsea. Okay. All right, I was I was already leaning towards a draw pick, but I'm going to go a 2-2 draw. And I'm going to say Gilfie gets a goal, and I'm going to say, oh, I'm going to say that, say Andre Gomez gets one as well. Both goals coming Ooh. from the midfield. That's, that's a pretty spicy pick. Um, and last thing I want to point out before wrapping this up, folks, is I was, you know, <clears throat> there is a possibility that Everton can move to sixth in the table. No, 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 no. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> With a win over Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, but I digress. Um, hopefully, at the very least, as you said, um, we just see a tough fought match, and that's all we can we can really ask for. Hopefully, as always, we know the away supporters are going to be there in full force. Um, ideally, you know they give a nice standing ovation and support to the to the team, whatever the result. Assuming they they really leave it all out on the pitch, and ideally, uh, Sunday afternoon we have an exciting post-match for all of you looking forward to it 
Thanks so much for tuning into the American Toffee Podcast. It is available on all major platforms. Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. That would help us out a ton. And follow us on Twitter as well, at USA Toffee Pod. Until next time, come on, you blues.